good morning church and it's great to be back uh, in god's presence today morning it's a wonderful and uh, uh, a time that we spend hearing and understanding how great he is uh, today we have been led through hebrews we have been led through the life of david how important is uh, cleanliness in the sight of god and all of this is so wonderful to see and experience god's love and uh, as a part of our series that we are doing suffering and faith is uh, something that we will look into uh, for today's uh, series on the whole counsel of god and it is as we've uh, read today morning it's it's based on the life of job and how wonderful god has been in leading his people and job through all of this experiences as we seek god's presence as we seek uh, the love of christ in our hands as we seek god's presence in terms of what is it that we are going to learn today uh, the book of job is not something that is uh, new but there is a lot of things that we learn from uh, job that we would want to dwell upon and it's it's going to be uh, something that we have all learned in our sunday schools also that job was a man who had a lot of things going for him and we read that in the first part of the book and when we look back as to when job actually uh, happens as an instance uh, it is not in the order in which it is placed but job is um, i mean there's a lot of speculation but i would say it, it is somewhere in the time of abraham uh, there is speculation that he was a grandson of esau uh, but again that's not the clear focus of our topic for today but uh, one point is that it's definitely not in the order in which job's book is it's one of the older books in the bible and here we see a picture of a man who is pious who's uh, who's got wealth who's got family who is so clear in his godly approach that he wants to put across his own uh, son's um, uh, atonement because thinking that they might have sinned it is very clear that job is very uh, uh having a very strong relationship with the god that he serves uh and the picture that we see of whatever he has as a wealth is humongous uh it is not something that we would uh, see maybe at that time and people would have really been astounded by what job has in his hands but what did we see in this order of things that are going on just to give a focus back in terms of where we are so we we have finished off the foundational books we covered the historical books and coming in in part to the instructional books um david solomon all of them are a constant reminder to things that we can adopt in our lives but if you look at job it's it's very different it's it's not your typical uh storyline that you would see and uh, and it teaches us a lot about what happens why is it so important in our life why does the book of job have an importance or significance in what we do because it is the crux of everything that we see as suffering from the start of the book to the end and what does suffering actually bring about a topic that uh, we all would want to listen to a topic that we all want to continue to hear but a topic that god speaks to us about is 
contained within this small book what does it cover it covers theology it covers philosophy it covers hurt pain more importantly it covers the majesty the wonder the power of god and job for me was a book that i liked as a child um, because i was a lot into understanding creation trying to understand how science and the bible play together and uh, how do i take care of the contradictions that happen and, and the book of job is so beautiful in in addressing a lot of those areas also i will not cover um, i mean we cannot cover a lot of these during the time that we have but there is a focused understanding of what is it that god wants us to look into uh, there's one verse in the book of job to give you a glimpse of how wonderful uh, the book of job is if you turn to job 26 verse 7 he talks about the fact that he spreads the spreads out the northern skies over empty space he suspends the earth over nothing today we look back and we see this verse and say yeah it's true the, the world is hung over nothing but tell that to the people who lived at that time who had a different notion of how the world looked like but the wisdom that god had and that uh, job truly could experience was so wondrous and it covers uh, many times even areas that we would have never thought about so it's, it's a very important book to look back into and uh, whenever you do find time please please i would it would uh, help in uh, it would help you in reading through and understanding what job actually contains uh where do we look as an overview how does the book of job actually pan out it covers three areas and uh, put it in for easy reading it covers three areas in this job's distress job's defense job's deliverance those are the three d's of what the book of job actually has the first three uh, chapters of job talks about how a man who was so uh, so wealthy a man who was so uh, having such a strong relationship with god how satan comes into the presence of god to say that uh, this is not going well i need to do something about it well if you look at it truly it's god who says that have you considered my servant job which is job 1 verse 8 have you considered my servant job there is no one on earth like him he is blameless and upright a man who fears god and shuns evil so it's almost like you're telling that god is pointing a uh, a beautiful picture of who job is and uh, that is where we begin the entire chapter and that's the few verses that we read at the start that god is very clear on what job is and what his heart really brings in then we go through what happens in terms of his adversity his perplexity in terms of the challenges that he's facing in his life the difficulties that he's coming to cope up with uh, we come to know of a man who is coming from a, a place where he was having it all had every relationship right and then coming to a state where he has nobody to take care of him and absolutely nobody is his feeling that he has then we come to the state of job's defense where the chapters 4 to 37 covers a lot of conversations he's got three friends over there eliphaz bildad and zophar that you read and they are having rounds and rounds of discussion with him and trying to tell job a lot of things which we will hope 
cover in the next few slides but there's a lot of comfort that they are trying to put together and trying to tell job that he's done something wrong uh, that is the essence of what they want to put across and there's one young person called eli who comes in and starts spitting himself against job against what his friends are talking about and trying to proclaim how god is continually good he is is a majestic god he is a god with justice and uh, so if you see it's it's a discourse between four characters in in that passage 4 to 37 and uh, surely 38 to 42 is the beauty of the entire piece where it talks about god who speaks a god who addresses job and uh, job's ending thoughts on that is the fact that he has questions too great to be answered he he finds himself inadequate for all of that long discourse that he did he finds himself inadequate to answer anything that god is even putting forward in front of him and we come to the end where it talks about god's position of honoring job bringing him back restoring his wealth restoring his health but the relationship with god always stood and that's that's the crux of uh, what the entire passage talks about so three areas to keep in mind uh, job's distress his defense and his deliverance now moving on uh, a question that we often find uh, discussing among ourselves or even with unbelievers in our experiences there is this larger aura around is there suffering and sin a correlation driven mechanism and that's the uh, i mean as i was thinking through it i wanted to unravel that on the side of in the light of what god's word talks to us about suffering and sin and as christians this is an important aspect for us to keep in mind how does our mind look into all of these aspects uh and one thing i understood as we are very logical in the way that we reason out things so why not look at it in a very logical perspective so three areas three ways in which we can logically put together a correlation the first one is looking at sin being the cause of suffering that means when it originates when we sin uh when we and our flesh do what is not right in the sight of god does that consequently lead to suffering and that's that's a stance um, we do not have a doubt in uh, there's more than enough verses through the word even what we learned in through genesis um, and what's god's instruction to the israelites covers a lot of pieces where anything that you do wrong there is a consequence and if if you look at it from a uh, perspective of an unbeliever you're very clear that the wages of sin is death there is no two ways about it it's it's not a mid uh, it's not a gray area it's it's a black and white and we talk about revelation where it's very clear that anyone's name is not found in the book of life is thrown into the lake of fire so a very clear indication of sin having a consequence of suffering and uh, so true that thread passes around through the entire uh, uh, story that we see in in bible itself but uh, what we logically try to deduce from it might not always be accurate 
what is the logical deduction whenever you use a formula we always say what is there on the left hand side is equal to right hand side which also means that the right hand side is equal to the left hand side which is not true why is that so let's uh, i mean i'm not reading these verses due to the time that we have in hand but we talk about uh, all of his friends coming up with the statement that job has sent and it is not a direct line which says job you are a sinner but in in various fashions in various ways during their discourse that is one point that comes out that there is something wrong with job why is that because you are suffering and if you are suffering you have to be suffering because of sin i mean there's no other explanation to suffering even if sin is equal to suffering then suffering is definitely equal to sin so it is time for you to figure out what wrong you have done and we are talking about a man who uh sacrificed for the sins of his children thinking that perhaps they might have sinned okay that's that's the background under which we are putting this question together where does it move from that so if you read through the new testament the, the similar concept still stands good when people try to address the problem of suffering uh in john chapter 9 we read that verse where it says his disciples are asking him rabbi who has sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind and the lord's answer is so clear neither this man nor his parents and that's that's a point which goes against all conventional logic that they had because the teaching is that if you have done sin you suffer so if you are suffering why is it not sinning why haven't hasn't the person sinned it goes against logic but where jesus reveals so emphatically over there is this has happened so that the works of god may be displayed in him and this is this is one of the way in which god is addressing that point saying suffering is not always equal to the reason of sin do not deduce that out of your mind and when we talk about job himself i mean let's let's not go anywhere else if you're talking about job we read that was job 18 where the lord says have you considered my servant job there is no one let me underline that point there is no one on earth like him he's blameless and upright a man who fears god and shuns evil so man's this man's relationship with god and evil is fear and shunning and the lord says there is no one on earth like him on what circumstance can we point out to job and say that your suffering is on account of the sin that you did but the problem is each of the characters in this entire picture has an incomplete understanding of what god really intends and uh, they have been sitting and having a discourse with him we we read uh, saw in the previous slides that we are having three rounds of discourse with this guy trying to push him into a corner and say my friend you have sent try to figure out where is it what is it because it is impossible that you go through this entire situation without having sin in your life and it's time that you repent it's time that you uh, look to god for uh, uh, a forgiveness for what is it that you have done and job is very clear that i don't understand what is it that you are trying to tell me that it it is not a possibility that uh, i understand or comprehend because i am clear in my sight and in the sight of god i am calling god as a witness to say that 
this did not happen and and i mean it's a lengthy conversation because his friends are the only ones talking to him i mean his wife has come to the state saying why don't you curse god and die and, and this is the friendly advice that he gets so let's be clear on the fact that this is not always a right equation then let's let's turn to the uh, another apparent conclusion that uh, we might come up with logically is the fact that the lack of suffering could mean the lack of sin so if 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 you're not doing anything wrong in the sight of god and uh, therefore i don't have any suffering is is a right deduction well the word of god has a different view on that when you talk about matthew chapter 5 it's very clear that he says he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous when you turn to sam 73 let's let's turn to this uh it is talking about uh, i mean the whole sam is there 28 verses i'm not reading through the entire sam but it says uh, a lot of things that he is able to see this sam of asaph uh, 73 was 3 for example it says for i envied the arrogant when i saw the prosperity of the wicked they have no struggles their bodies are healthy and strong they are free from the burdens common to man they are not plagued by human ills and uh, we we read a lot of in verse 11 it says how, they say how can god know does the high, most high have knowledge this is what the wicked are like always carefree they increase in wealth and the psalmist is saying surely in vain i have kept my heart pure in vain i have washed my hands in innocence he's coming to a conclusion that whatever have i have i done till now does that really help all day i have been plagued i have been punished every morning but then then it is him who looks and says in verse 24 onwards uh, in verse uh, uh, to 18 onwards that surely you place them on a slippery ground you cast them down to ruin how suddenly they are destroyed completely swept away by terrors as a dream when one awakes so when you arise o lord you will despise them as fantasies and the realization that the psalmist has when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered i was senseless and ignorant i was a brute beast before you yet i am always with you you hold me by my right hand you guide me with your counsel and afterward you'll take me to into glory the conclusion is those who are far from you verse 27 you destroy all who are unfaithful to you so please uh, be clear that this is also an equation which does not fit into the attribute of who god is the fact that you take a lack of suffering and add that to say that that shows that there's nothing wrong in my life is a time that we should introspect ourselves with what is it that god is telling us what is it that god's word is talking to us so when you go through the three equations in summary the first one is something that is very clear and this we are very um, i mean well versed it even from any sessions that we attend anything that we understand from the word of god any message that we hear that sin and suffering uh, sin's consequence is definitely suffering but whether it's on the earth or whether it's in eternity that's uh, that's a question that you don't need to answer because that's left up to god to take care of 
but very clearly the fact that suffering has a background always in sin is not a right approach nor is the approach that suffering the lack of suffering and therefore i am not sinning as much as uh, uh, i mean as much as anybody else or maybe i am i am little blameless so to say compared to the better of the lot is also not an idea which is so true by the word of god so moving ahead what do we learn that a suffering has a purpose in the sight of god but the larger question being that we are as rational human beings want to understand that purpose want to get an answer to our question saying why am i suffering what is going wrong in my life the suffering that we undergo has a purpose in the sight of god whether it is punitive in nature whether it is pruning in nature is something that god gives us as an understanding through his word and we look at uh, as we look at the story of job we'll, we'll also unravel a little bit more of this understanding that we get also so moving on to the point where the picture of job is not a sight that we would easily want to see a man who lived in luxury so to say during that time a man whose wealth spanned so much of cattle uh, so much of um uh, i mean so, so much of wealth in in a truer sense at that time and this is where he ends up in he's sitting in a ash heap he's got sores all over his body he's got a pot shirt that he's trying to scratch himself with and he's got friends sitting all around him who came to console him they sat with him for 7 days without speaking then they start this huge discourse with him and if you look it's it's almost like there is nothing in him that he can continue to hope for a better life he's reached the the bottom of human existence levels there's nothing in his health uh, the only thing that is pending from moving away from him was his life except for that there's nothing else and this is a question which um, satan asked god does job fear you for nothing does job fear you for nothing and that is a question that we ask ourselves too why do we fear god is is our fear of god reliant on the fact that i don't want to get punished i don't want to get away from all the wealth that i have or the blessings material blessings that i i seem to have gotten that is the reason why i keep praying to this god and helping him and try to appease him that is the exact nature in which the pagans do why are they trying to appease god their appeasement of god is to make sure that the wrath that they perceive their god can give is moved away but the larger question still remains why do we do it what is your reason for holding on to god is it society is it the pressure that i do not know what people will say if if i moved away or is it i don't know what my family would say is it i have no answer to give anybody if anybody asks me a question so i'm still here it's time to reevaluate why why we are holding on to god so um a question that will drive a lot of our 
conversations in the in the subsequent slides is the fact of how does suffering become an important lesson for us to understand god does it teach us anything in particular or is it something that uh, we have an aversion to and therefore we try to avoid at all costs is there something that god actually tries to teach us through suffering it is not to go through the intentions of uh, the uh, i mean or the lessons that god teaches us through uh, each situation but more to understand through suffering as 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 a uh, as an emotion in our hearts as suffering as a phase of life that we go through where does that lead us about knowing god better and what does that give us an understanding of who god is uh, so this section i've divided into three statements three groups or what do you say as three truth statements to Uh, give us an understanding on what i could pick up from the book of job and uh, it's very important to get a sense of that as we move along the truth statement one knowing that he is god knowing that he is god why uh, i mean you may ask what, how how is that relevant i mean of course we know that he is god isn't that apparent that he is god well the answer is not so simple because when job poses his list of questions to god the answer that god gives is to show himself or who he is to job in all his power in all his wisdom in all his majesty he is trying to point all his questions all the questions that job asked and trying to put it in a state where he is asking job do you understand who i am we are not his equal we cannot confine god to our rules and notions that we have about who god should be or draw a picture saying this god this is step 1 therefore the step 2 3 4 that should follow is going to be like this that is not who god is he is god and what you mean by god a god who is sovereign in what he does his sovereignty is not to be a thing up for debate when job in job 40 we read a lot of these questions and and we also sang this today that who can give counsel to the lord who can question any of his words who can teach the one who knows all things and we know the answer to that is always no definitely not me there is nobody else there is no one who can do that now why why does job uh, uh, i mean in spite of all of this ask a lot of these questions because that is what god actually reveals to him saying that job you need to understand who i am you are i i, I am a god who reigns in the heavens i am a god who knows what you're going through i am a god who's almighty i'm i'm a god who's a king uh sometimes there is this story that we try to put upon ourselves saying that uh, god is a dear friend and that is true i mean god calls us as his friends not false but when you take that one concept 
and try to take it away from who God really is. We some uh, we end up bringing God to a level where He's just like anybody else. He's just like any of our friends. I mean, He's like my pal, or He's like my Facebook friend who I can reach out to, or a WhatsApp friend I can chat into. We take away the essence of who He is by that myopic view of that relationship only. We should never in our minds forget that he is God who is sovereign. He is a God who decides what happens in our lives. He is a God who is very clear. There is nobody who can point out his faults. He is, but he is also a God who has the uh, uh, attribute of justice. He's, that's what if you see in Job 40 on the right hand side, the uh, points talk about, would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourselves? Do you have an arm like God's? Can your voice thunder like his? And uh, it's difficult to be in a position of job when you have a whirlwind in front of you who God is speaking from. And his friends are all around. And God has been hearing this conversation that is going around for some time now. And he's looking and answering Job not with any of the answers that Job actually looked for. When God is, uh, when the three rounds of discourses are happening, he is not in a state to understand where do I even look up to? What is the answer that uh, I should give Job? God is not even in that question. God is answering the question that Job, you need to understand who I am. And uh, when we look, for example, into the uh, story of Jonah, we, we hear about God growing a plant for uh, Jonah because the sun's heat was too bad. And when the plant dries up, Jonah has reason to complain. He says, I want to die. I mean, this is torturous. And the Lord says, teaches him a lesson, saying that if you felt this plant who gave you shade for some time is so important to you, imagine how important the rest of the people that you spoke to in NFAR. So that is when we try to underestimate who God is and what does that small suffering that Jonah went through actually teach him. You should never forget the fact that we should, we are people who are limited by a vision. But the problem is when you're limited by a vision, do not be limited by a vision of who God is because God has revealed himself through his word a God who is majestic a God who is eternal a God who has been at the time of Adam and has been scripting history through the Bible he knows you he knows who we are but he we it is up to us to also understand that he is God he is not a person that we meet on the roadside and try to have a friendship with. No, no. No, no. There are things that we don't even comprehend of ourselves that God knows better. Know that he is God. Second truth that we'll cover out is his creation. That's us. He knows his creation well. If there is nothing in... Uh, in creation that he doesn't know, he's not the creator. And every part of creation that we have, everything that we see, has the handiwork and the design of the creator. 
when I am built in accordance to what God wants me to build, he knows every nerve that he placed in my body. He knows every nerve that he placed in your body. He knows the kind of emotional pain. He knows the physical pain that our bodies can handle. And more importantly, he knows it because his son bore it all for us. And that's, that's what we were listening to today morning. That Christ suffered and the suffering of Christ in human form gives him a lot more of credit than we give God to understand us. Sometimes we come to this conclusion that we, God doesn't understand us so much. I mean, he's God. He's got, he's all powerful. He's never, does he actually feel pain? Does he actually feel pain? Well, that's, that's a question which God wanted Job to answer. And he starts off with parts of his creation. Do you know when the mountain goats give birth? Do you watch when the does bear a fawn? Do you know, do you count the months till they bear? Do you know the time they give birth? The Lord is keeping watch over his creation more than what we can think or imagine. And this, this beauty in, in the way that God puts in things across when he talks about Job 40 verse 15 onwards. Uh, I mean, these are one of the few passages I've been reading since childhood. And uh, of course, there's a lot of debate as to what it really talks about. Uh, but some of these do not talk about things that I feel uh, are present today. It talks about things which is too great to fathom. It ranks first among the works of God, yet its maker can approach it with a sword. It's something so awesome and terrifying. I mean, people come up with uh, different notions as to what it is all about. But strongly, the, the God who created this creature understands the strengths of this creation. But does God understand our suffering? In spite of all of this, I, I know this is all logical, but does it really make sense? Does God really know his creation? And that brings me to this beautiful verse. I mean, if you ask any of the children, what is the smallest verse in the Bible? And, and they would give you this answer very coherently. Jesus wept. John eleven thirty five. 35. And... Uh, there's this question that uh, really comes to our mind when we read that verse. A God who knows that he's going to raise a Lazarus from the dead. A God who knows that whatever is happening around him in terms of the sadness that people are undergoing. He weeps. What is his sorrow all about? Let's turn to that uh, passage in John 11. Uh, John 11, instead of verse 35, let's start from verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. But then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could he, who opened the eyes of the blind, have kept? Could he not? Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Verse 38, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone across the entrance. Yeah, I'm not reading through the rest. 
but a god who knew that the next moment is going to be turning out like this he could have looked at all of the people around and understood they do not know what they are actually going to witness it is going to be a miracle of life miracle from the grave but god wept in luke 1941 i'm not turning over there but it talks about the fact that he approached jerusalem he saw the city and wept over it he said if you even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace but now it's hidden from your eyes the days will come on you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you on every side they will dash you to the ground you and your children within your walls they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize god's time of coming to you and we are talking about a god who wept over jerusalem he feels what his creation goes through there is no situation where he is not aware of when he will feel uh, he will feel for you better than anybody else who can because everything else is external nobody knows what is there inside because we have a god who fashioned us from our mother's womb a god who took pride in the creation that he did but a god who saved us from an eternal hellfire because of what the creation did yeah so the second piece that we know is that he knows his creation well the third truth it is for us knowing god who is trustworthy why is this so important because when we look at the word of god his faithfulness is something that is there from generation to generation to be let us word there is no lack of verses that we can quote to point out how god is faithful and where do i read that from from history a god who makes promises who keeps promises a god who delivers a god who protects a god who provides but during suffering there are times when god has provided grace not always an exit out that's a wrong notion that uh, has been taught sometimes in uh, in uh, christianity that being christians we need to pray to god to be out of suffering no a god who's trustworthy has told us always as christians that's something that we expect and that's not a anomaly in our lives suffering is never outside of the plan of god it is well within what he made for us but when we talk about god's trustworthiness it is even in the smaller things that we look into job 38 talks about who provides food for the raven when it's cry young cry out to god and wander about for lack of food we don't look at ravens in our family i mean we have complaints of people feeding pigeons over here because it's creating a nuisance and they and we have a god who provides food for the raven that the young don't grow hungry a god who clothes the grass of the field a flower of the field which is so much in beauty a god who created that and the question that god asks us is what about you man he knows us he is willing to be by our side and that's a promise that he keeps every time 
there is no situation where god is not there on your side unless of course you're doing something wrong that that's not the point of conversation but when the psalmist writes psalms 119 says forever o lord your word is firmly fixed in the heavens your faithfulness endures to all generations you have established the earth and it stands fast that's the beauty of the god who we serve god who is trustworthy god who is sovereign knowing who he is understanding a god who knows his creation when understanding a god who is trustworthy the book of job has much more to offer us in terms of insights and much more to help us unravel but what is important is what do we take out as learning from it because that's a question which satan asked god at the start does god does job fear god for nothing and that's a question that we need to ask ourselves are we responding in faith and looking at god as the answer to our questions or are we looking for other answers are we looking for answers which please us i mean there is no i mean it would be wrong for somebody to truly come back and say god i don't think i want any of this moved out keep me in the suffering I mean in us in mind we wouldn't tell any of that but god's story through our suffering is scripted only for you it is not based on somebody else's life story god's story for your suffering is scripted specifically for you it's not for me my story is different and that's a question that god leaves us with understanding the god who scripted your story understanding a god who knows you understanding a god who is eternal and trustworthy is so critical in our journey of suffering because that is what forms our bedrock that is not a doubt that's not a question that we look into and say why because um when we look at god in himself he's very clear that suffering was something that his own son went through and it was an essential part of our salvation we remember how the lord suffered for our salvation I mean satan had an easier approach you you bow down in front of me and i'll give you all the nations of the world wasn't that much easier to do logically why would suffering make a sense we just bow down and get what you want isn't that what he came to the world for and the, and that's a question pointed out to him at the start of his journey he knows three years what is it that he is going to do what is his ministry going to be he knows the cross that awaits him he knows the pain that he has to undergo he knows the forsaking of the father but that was the road that he continued to choose for our salvation it was not the easy way out he knows the god who is trustworthy a few questions that we can ask ourselves when we close out this part is an area of blessing is that something that we look forward to god for and that is why we trust is it an area of answers that we look to god for that lord you tell us why i'm going through this then i can go through this pain better 
or is it uh, uh, moving away from suffering that is all that we are looking for or is it continuing in that suffering with god intended for us and understanding our uh, our story through that so uh, in closing i just wanted to take you through an experience of uh, a person that that came to bahrain in in my childhood a, a person you would have all heard as uh, uh, richard humrand a very uh, i mean uh, there's a statement that he made that i i just wanted to read verbatim and this was before he came to know christ he said god i know surely that you do not exist but if perchance you exist which i contest it is not my duty to believe in you it is your duty to reveal yourself to me this was what the young jewish atheist muttered he was born in 1909 and uh, if you if you read through the i mean he went through two different groups of people who jailed him and uh, put him under torture and when he came to bahrain he was he was not able to sit on a chair he was actually put up on on a table because of the way that his body could not cope with the pain of sitting down even standing up was a problem much more he he went through the time when the nazis were uh, taking care of cleansing ethnic cleansing so to say but he th- uh, that was not truly the only time that he went through that he there was another phase that he went through suffering where he was the nation was overrun by communists and he said there was a time when he was preaching to the russian troops and uh, they were forced to come to a, attend a congress of cults and there were 4000 people there and this was a session that was being broadcast across the country and the point of that session was forsaking their faith so he and his wife said we will we need to stand up and wash away the shame from the face of christ he stood up and he told his untold uh, undying loyalty to christ so what happened he was kidnapped by the secret police he spent next 14 years in prison and the tortures that he underwent were some things that you can continue to read through uh, there's too much to even mention uh, three years out of that imprisonment he was kept in solitary confinement in a cell that was 30 feet beneath the ground and among other things he was forced to sit with his eyes wide open and listen over and over again to the words that communism is good christianity is stupid give up his wife was arrested taken to slave camps his son was forced to live on the streets what made him hold on to a god in spite of all of this suffering was it anything that the world offered him was it any blessing that he craved for if your anchor is not held on to god then we will always have questions which we feel god has not answered he has provided every answer in his word there is nothing lacking even paul was provided with an answer paul was called to a mission to suffer god called him and said that i will show him how much he must suffer for my name but the same lord never removed a suffering a thorn in his flesh you said my grace is sufficient for you the same lord stood by his side and told him and encouraged him many times 
and how he must continue in his job. But he never took that suffering out of his life. We never read of that anywhere. In fact, Paul gloried in his suffering. In fact, when the apostles first got beaten up, uh, there's this verse in the book of Acts chapter 45, verse 41. It says, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they were counted worthy of suffering disgrace for his name. They were counted worthy of suffering disgrace is a joyous occasion. in When James talks about my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials. Is it a joyous occasion of your relationship with God during trials? That is what the Lord leaves us us today with. A question to answer our hearts. In the midst of trials, do we look to God for answers or do we look to God for his presence? And that's, that's what I would want to leave you with today. The Lord continue to speak to us, to our hearts, through his word. And may God's name be glorified throughout this. Let's close with a word of prayer. Lord, our Heavenly Father, we come nigh into your presence and praise and worship the most holy God. A God who is sovereign above every situation that can happen in the lives of everyone in this earth. A God who created us, created the heavens and the earth. A God who knows every pain that we go through. But above all, we continue to look to a God who is faithful throughout generations. A God who has stood the test of time. And we read through your word, Lord, how Job experienced that faithfulness. How Job experienced, Lord, a restoration that was true and genuine. Because he anchored his life on you. Shall God give us only the good? Should we only receive the good from God or even the bad? A question that Brings even today. Help our hearts a lot to look unto you, not only as the provider of all good, but a God who sustains us even during our bad times. A God who's promised his presence with us in every situation. And we thank you that you have never left us alone. Thanking you for this day and your word that has spoken to us, Lord, that our hearts may truly be encouraged and strengthened during these times. And we may stand. Uh, encouraged in love, encouraged in faith, encouraged in every circumstance that you have scripted for our lives. We ask and pray all of these things and through the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.